Ήχερα δεν αυτό γευθάμενον της αρκός αυτού και τούτο προλαβό της Αγίας ευχόης ο άρτης της είναι επικράτη συναντήσασικά επικράτη Listening to Vexed, a program on the Ephesus School Network. I'm Andrea Bacchus, your curator through biblical literature and its world and culture. Just as a museum curator selects, acquires, cares for, repairs objects, and discovers frauds and counterfeits, I'll be sifting through our world and culture for examples to help us better understand. The biblical text. Today's episode is a companion piece to the prior episode on the biblical scroll. I had hoped to include a general history of the scroll and its evolution in that episode, but found it is better suited as its own piece. In this episode, I will offer an overview of the history of the scroll, its evolution, and the transition to another form, the Codex. The Codex is the ancestor of the book we use today. My aim is to offer you some historical context so that you can understand the biblical scroll's place in the story of the technology of the book and its transitions over time. Let's begin with the history of the scroll. Scrolls have been in use for many thousands of years. Some sources claim that scrolls are as old as the 4000s BC. They were originally made of papyrus, a grass-like aquatic plant. The plant stalk was cut into thin strips, pressed together, and dried to form a smooth, thin writing surface. Sheets of papyrus were then glued together and rolled from both ends to form a scroll. These sheets were handwritten in special ink designed to adhere to that surface. Our earliest evidence of scroll use comes from Egypt, where papyrus cultivation and use was a major industry. In his book, A History of Reading, Alberto Manguel shares a tale from antiquity that expresses how papyrus was not only a precious resource for the Egyptians, but also fodder for political intrigue. Manguel writes, According to Pliny the Elder, King Ptolemy of Egypt, wishing to keep the production of papyrus a national secret in order to favor his own library of Alexandria, forbade its export, thereby forcing his rival Eumenes, ruler of Pergamum, to find a new material for the books in his library. Scrolls in ancient Egypt were the medium of scribes. These were a special literate class, trained from a young age to master the skills of writing and reading. They were also craftsmen who learned how to create and care for the scrolls. 
Scribes were members of the royal court. They worked at the command of the king, documenting records of all kinds, including inventories of goods, court proceedings, wills and legal contracts, tax records, medical procedures, genealogies, and religious texts, such as those for funerals. They were well-respected and critical to the proper functioning of the temple palace complex. We find the scribal class and culture play an important role over the course of history, from the ancient Near East to the Greco-Roman world and well into the Middle Ages to the Renaissance. Statues of ancient Egyptian scribes dating to the 2600s BC attest to their special status. They are depicted with their scrolls. The statue of the scribe Mitri, found in Egypt in 1926, is an exquisitely carved wooden statue painted in brilliant colors. It's a marvel that it has survived. Mitri is seated in the traditional pose of scribes, with legs crossed. A roll of papyrus is spread out on his lap. He holds it with his left hand, and in his right, he holds his pen. If you have a chance to Google the image, it is something to see, quite refined with piercing eyes. One does not have to dig too deeply into ancient Egyptian culture to see how pervasive the scroll was. Papyrus scrolls are depicted in hieroglyphic form on Egyptian temple walls and friezes dating to the 1500s BC. Over time, by the Hellenistic era, we find scrolls made of vellum. The word vellum comes from the Latin vitulus, meaning calf. Vellum is a parchment made of animal skin, typically calf, sheep, or goat. It is scraped and processed to render a thin sheet and used like paper. Its surface is specially prepared to accept ink. It was far more durable and smoother than papyrus, and over time was widely adopted. The medium's transition to vellum has an interesting connection to ancient Pergamum. As we heard earlier, Eumenes of Pergamum, having been cut off from the papyrus market, was forced to find another resource. Blogger and British bookbinder Richard Norman, who works in traditional bookbinding methods, writes that Roman scholar and writer Marcus Terentius Varro and Pliny the Elder in his Natural History both corroborate that vellum parchment was developed under the patronage of Eumenes as a substitute for papyrus. In fact, the word parchment comes from the Latin word pergamenum, named after the city of its founding. The oldest intact scrolls of the Bible we have, specifically the Old Testament books, are from the Dead Sea Scrolls collection. Over 90% of the scrolls in the collection are made of vellum. They're dated from the 2nd century BC, the Hellenistic era, to the 1st century AD. Recent DNA testing of scroll fragments 
has revealed that most of the scrolls were made of sheepskin, some of calf, goat, gazelle, and ibex. This makes sense given the prevalence of sheep in the area at that time. Sheep are still very much a part of the landscape in the Judean and Syrian wilderness. Scholars have surmised that those scrolls made of calfskin may have been imported from other regions where grass and water were more plentiful. Discovered in Israel in 1947 in the caves around Qumran, near the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea Scrolls collection of over 900 manuscripts includes scrolls of every book of the Old Testament written in Hebrew except two books of the writings, Nehemiah and Esther. There are now identified among the scrolls 19 copies of the book of Isaiah, 25 copies of Deuteronomy, and 30 copies of the Psalms. It's interesting that there are so many multiples of these particular books. Why these and not other books? These three books are each a selection from among the three parts of the Old Testament, the Torah, the Nebi'im, or the Prophets, and the Ketubim, or the Writings. Deuteronomy is a selection from the Torah. Isaiah is a selection from the Prophets. And the Psalms is a selection from the Writings. One could argue that the community who kept the scroll's collection considered each book to be an exemplar, a model which contained within it all the elements of that particular section. Can we infer that they thought that in Deuteronomy they had a kind of mini-Torah? Perhaps there were also practical considerations. Perhaps they needed to economize resources in a time of threat from the Roman occupation, and so choices from the large biblical corpus had to be made. We can only speculate. There are no New Testament texts among the Dead Sea Scrolls collection. As with everything of value in the ancient world, scrolls and fragments of papyrus were repurposed. We have an example of a papyrus sheet from the 4th century AD found in Greco-Roman Egypt, which has the Book of Hebrews from the New Testament on one side and the epitome of Livy on the other. Scrolls continued to be widely used in the 1st century AD, but it is at this time that we begin to find evidence of another form, the ancestor of the book known as the Codex. The word Codex comes from the Latin Caudex, C-A-U-D-E-X, meaning trunk of a tree or block of wood. The precursor, you may call it the proto-codex to the codex, was the caudex. The Romans used wood boards to write notes, records, and speeches. By the end of the first century AD, this term codex began to be used to refer to a new format for documenting text, the codex. Wood boards were replaced by bound parchment.
parchment was no longer rolled, but now the leaves were fashioned to be flat, folded, sewn together, and bound. Text was written in two or more columns on both the front, or recto side, and the back, the verso side. As you can imagine, the codex was a major innovation. It had a number of advantages for the reader over the scroll. It was easier to carry and more resistant to damage than scrolls, which were more vulnerable to soiling and ripping over time. The codex was also economical. More text could be committed to fewer leaves. It could be easily carried, handled, and read by one person. It took less energy to use. This feature was quite a revolution. It opened the door for individual reading and was the germ of the widespread literacy we have today. The earliest biblical codices currently known are dated to the 4th century AD. They are the Codex Vaticanus and the Codex Sinaiticus. Like the scroll, the writing in the biblical codex was in columns of varying sizes. And as with the scroll, the writing in the early codices was packed together. There was little discernible space between the words and no punctuation. Also, no separate paragraphs and no chapters and verses. It was a continuous column of writing. We do not have a complete Old Testament text written in the original Hebrew among the early codices. The earliest complete codex we have of the Old Testament texts written in Hebrew is from the 11th century AD. So while the codex was certainly an innovation, it still had similarities with the scroll that would have posed a challenge. It was still handwritten with no separation between words or punctuation, and it was all block letters. As with the scroll, the reader of the biblical codex would have had special training. He would have learned it and known the text well before stepping up to read it. This reminds me of a time when I was learning to spell. When I was a kid and I didn't know how to spell a word, I would ask my dad, and he would tell me to look it up in the dictionary. This was pre-Google, so it was a dictionary book. But that answer baffled me then. How can I look up a word that I don't know how to spell? Where would I start? In a strange way, I had to know ahead of time how to spell the word in order to find out how to spell it. When you use a dictionary, you have to have some notion or guess as to how that word might be spelled. You might sound it out and then take a guess at the spelling and start your search from there. In retrospect, of course, by not just telling me how to spell the word, my dad taught me a useful skill, how to use a dictionary. By the fourth century, the Codex was widely adopted, and it was at that time that the biblical text was committed to Codex over scroll. Yes, the biblical Codex was an innovation, 
but it was still an analog to the biblical scroll. The form continued to place limitations on the reader and the reading. It was not for personal reading. Producing these works was expensive. It was the domain of elites and erudites. It was elites and erudites who produced them. These codices were precious items. Before I leave you with these thoughts, I want to give you one last form that should be mentioned in discussion of ancient forms of writing, and that is the clay tablet. The clay tablet was the conceptual model for the codex. In a recent conversation with a biblical studies colleague, he shared a powerful example of the way that form affects function as it relates to the clay tablet. He recalled his studies of Ugaritic. He spoke about Ugaritic clay tablets and how the letters are pressed into the clay, and not only on the face, but on the sides and potentially the back of the tablet. You're dealing with a three-dimensional object. It's not the same as reading something on a scroll or a page. So in order to read it correctly, you need to physically handle the tablet so that you can feel the whole of it and see all the grooves and markings completely. And even then, you have to be careful because markings that might look similar to the untrained eye are actually different and could mean two different things. The clay tablet certainly commands respect. It is a form that preceded the scroll and the codex. And like both the scroll and the codex, it was a complex enterprise and the domain of the elite class. And as with the scroll and the codex, the clay tablet was a precious item. It is hard to truly understand this today, to imagine a time when books were rare and so were treasured. Today, a book is a book is a book. What is their value? Even local libraries don't want our books anymore. I used to donate my old books to my local library, and one day, fairly recently, I gathered up a bunch for donation. And when I got there, there was a sign on the door that read in all big bold letters, no donations. They had more books than they could handle. The clay tablet, the scroll, and the codex, these mighty ancestors of the book deserve our respect and appreciation. In my view, we are obliged to treat the Bible in our hands with respect for its evolution. It took a long time to get to the book form we have now. And we are the recipients of centuries of labor, of scholarship that gave us punctuation and verses and chapters. So let us think on these things. Till next time, this is Vexed. Vexed is a production of the Ephesus School Network.